Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter and joining me as always is Cosmonaut Tara. Greetings, comrades. Hey, oh, that's a nice touch. That's a nice touch. Welcome everyone, it's a science fiction movie <laughs> podcast. We get together, we watch the movie and we talk about it. And we're currently in the process of 70s month, kind of. I say kind of because because of the delay, it's actually going to be more like four 71 movies but spread over two months because uh we had some delays getting this episode ready and as a result it also means that we're going to have some delays getting to the next 70s movies the next episode you probably get i imagine will be matrix four probably probably uh but not to worry the the movie that won the vote for this month and the four 70s movie will both get done uh and we'll do our countdown in january so uh, everything's still happening. It just unfortunately we had to delay some recordings. It's basically Christmas season, and the fact that Tara's away for a week next week uh, just meant we had to move things around. So nothing to worry about. Uh, but we're here today to talk about Solaris, uh, the original 1972 Andrei Tarkovsky film. And I've been looking forward to doing this because uh, I'd seen it a long time ago before, but. Uh, I really fell in love with Stalker a couple of years ago uh, when I saw that for the first time. So I was very excited to revisit Solaris and sort of like... Because I think the first time I saw it, it was probably like a decade ago. I was young and stupid. I was kind of excited about going back to it with a... Just a, a more experienced cinematic eye, I suppose. Yes. <laughs> so we both watched the movie twice. Okay, it's very long and dense. Uh, so a lot to dive into. This is a very philosophical film, much like Stalker was. Uh, and as a result, I imagine this will be a very sort of, I wouldn't say a philosophical conversation per se, but it is very open to interpretation. It's open to discussing what exactly the movie's trying to say. Uh, it may be saying multiple things for discussion's sake. It may, you know, there's, there's a lot of things to get into here. And uh, obviously we'll get into that mostly in the spoiler section. Uh, which we'll warn you about, because obviously we have to dig, dig in deep for that. But, uh, yes. So what is Solaris, uh, you might be asking. Solaris is a film from 1972, and it is about a psychologist who is sent to a space station. So it's set in the future, right, of the time. Uh, they're sent to a space station because the crew of this space station over the planet Solaris is diminished, most people have left. The government don't really take it seriously anymore because there's not been results. It seems like they've been up there studying this place for a long time. It is a planet that is entirely ocean. And the few people who are still there are, ver you know, they act very weird. Every Everyone who goes to live on this station tends to come back with weird stories, tends to start acting erratically, may not making much sense to anyone else. So this psychologist is going up Space there madness. to assess if they should shut this place down or try something more extreme, uh, like just firing radiation <laughs> at the water to see what happens. Uh, so that's kind of his mission. And as when he goes up, he experiences the weird effects that the planet has on the people on the station. And it exp you know, explores life, it explores uh, loss, it explores regret, it explores a lot of things. Uh, unsurprisingly with this, because Tarkovsky's not just, you know, he's not out here to make a Star Wars movie. He's here to just use the science fiction to get really heady and discuss big ideas and explore the human condition, if you will. Uh, 
So that is very much what it is. This is not a, an action-packed adventure. Not that I don't think anyone's going to stumble onto this thinking it's that. But I can, I can see people like seeing George Clooney on a poster for the remake and going, Oh, Solaris, this looks like a sci-fi epic. I'm going to watch this. And then I've not seen the remake, so I don't know how closely it sticks to the, the gist of this one. But I suspect it's probably not the adventure movie that some people thought it might be. <laughs> so what did you think of Solaris? I think it's pretty good. It's very ethereal, dreamlike. Uh, I think it's really interesting, actually, that this movie was made in Soviet Russia. Seems like not the kind of film that you would expect from that time. Seems like a director who was maybe angry with uh, with the way that his government works. And I don't know, it's a, it's a very interesting film for that time and place. But I liked it. It is. I, and it's funny because I, I did read... Uh, just not that I did much research for this, but I did ca- catch a passing glance, a glimpse at the the idea that yeah, that there was censors, as you'd imagine, in Soviet Russia when it came to entertainment and media and things like that. And basically, <laughs> part part of the idea with with Tarkovsky is that the, the ideas he'd put in his films that the government wouldn't agree with would be so. Like, you'd really have to analyze it to break it down to get the messages that the government wouldn't agree with. So no one, anyone who checked it wouldn't get the movie. So therefore wouldn't say it's anti-Soviet or anything like that. It's not a film for the weak-minded. <laughs> so, I, I mean, it's, it feels like a cop-out to say he just made it too smart for them to understand that it was like, you know, if, if it was being critical of the Soviet government, though. then they wouldn't spot it. But that's effectively kind of what he did at, at, at points in, in his career. He just, he just David Lynched them. Pre, pre, kind of. Kind <laughs> of. He just he didn't make it completely like at face value. Uh, but you know if you start like if you know these films are really philosophical so once you start discussing philosophy it's not really much of a stretch to then say maybe he's critical of certain things that Soviet Russia were party to. Yeah. Yeah. Or just like a film in general, like you expect movies from that type of communist country to have more propaganda involved. Mm. You know, something, I mean, I'm not saying there wasn't great art that came from there. There certainly was. But like you just sort of expect uh, a certain type of film. Not something so abstract and, you know, yeah, questioning the world. I, I just love the idea that how do how do you get this past like a, the censors and not not for like a violent you know because it's often when we talk about censorship we talk about censoring violence or sex or, or whatever but just getting past censors who who will censor ideas you just yeah. make it too smart for them to understand <laughs> so that they can <laughs> so that they can censor. <laughs> I guess this is fine. It, it seems like well it's... they don't want to look dumb so they're like yeah it's it's great. <laughs> yeah we get it. It's very very pro Soviet I think yes. Yeah, so, so yeah, but it's the Russians that made it to outer space, right? Okay. Yes. <laughs> do, do you the they sad, won the space race. The sad, the sad part is, as I bet that probably is part part of like what gets this sort of through. It's like, oh, this is saying that we are in space and we are advanced and yeah, we have we space did it stations. before the Americans. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although when you think about it, they kind of already won the space race. We America just counts like, okay, oh yeah, but you didn't get to the moon first. That's where we draw the line for some reason. Well, the reason is because that's when we beat them. But everything else, the Soviets definitely got there first. Well, to be fair, we also draw the line there because the next target after that would be Mars, which we've still not gotten to because it's really hard. No, but we've—I mean, other <laughs> there have been other major accomplishments like sure, the sure. space station. What did you like about the movie? 
I liked I liked the moment that we see someone in space onward a lot. So you weren't a fan of the first 45 minutes. I understand why it's there, <laughs> but it is quite long. <laughs> I actually There's a lot of it. I am quite fond of much of the first 45 minutes. Uh, there are bits in it that I like. You know, one thing I thought was strange was the constant switch of of tone. So like it would be in color and then some scenes were in black and white and some scenes were like sepia. And it seemed like a strange... It, it didn't seem to be like, oh, well, it's in black and white because it reminds you of watching it on a television and it's more like a news thing. So maybe this is more, I don't know, biographical and this is more... Uh, you know, maybe something that is being influenced or whatever, because it's uh, in color. <laughs> I couldn't quite figure out like why, why the choice of different films. It's more. It's mostly in color. Uh, there are just key sequences where it does shift to, like a, it's like a blue se- sepia. I don't. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, I think people mm-hmm. know what I mean when I say that. Uh, and then there's obviously a couple that are just more straight up black and white. Um, it's interesting you bring this up though, because Stalker actually played with this as well, uh, with different uh, visual techniques, and that is really clear what they mean. Uh, and it's actually a really great moment because it starts off with a kind of a sepia look, and it switches to like regular color at a certain specific point, and it's really, it's really notable when it does it, and it really makes you think about what what it's saying and what it's doing. And I think here it's still, it's still used to reasonable effect and in the sense that I think you are supposed to think about why it has switched and what each time it switches what it represents um I, I think the the cold colorless kind of like tone that it kind of comes down with at certain points is there to emulate when the world doesn't feel real or it's there to emulate when things feel empty or, or desolate or um they're kind of cold scenes like thematically uh, mm. and there's a few specific examples that I can think of um, there are definitely little like just parts of ends of scenes that switch to it that like if I was I'd have to like rewatch the scene again and kind of really think about okay why is this specific moment switched to this but uh, I wouldn't say it's that it's too constant though it's not that frequent it, it's kind of it's, it's a little bit there early on and then once he gets to the station it's not really that often yeah I mean it just seems like it's I don't know. I couldn't quite figure it out. Uh, what what the what it was trying to do with that? Like what the purpose of it was? Um, I I couldn't make I couldn't connect the dots with them. Is what I'm trying to say. But I do like the movie overall. I really like. Well, I like the story. I think the plot's quite good, and um, I like where it goes. I also love the costumes. <laughs> okay. Our lead guy like wears this fishnet chartreuse green <laughs> shirt for a while and. He looks so cool in it. I don't know. I'm confident, even though he's kind of like pudgy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> was it yellow? I thought it was yellow, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, like chartreuse is kind of like an almost like a neon. Okay, okay. It's a very yellow green tone. Um, a very odd color, and then the uh, but no one says anything about it, so it must be okay. <laughs> <laughs> in the future it's all right this is just what people wear to, to be fair the only characters who see him in it are like already kind of crazy from the time <laughs> on the station so I, mean, I don't know if we can trust their judgment i just thought what a wild style that people have in the future it's it's awesome um i like uh i i really like when it gets to the station because 
if you definitely feel a change in just the way it's being shot like it feels oh yeah this is sci-fi because the first 45 minutes you're on a a ranch or just someone's house cottage or whatever in the in the woods like near a lake and stuff and it's it's very much like just people talking and the talking you know the conversations are interesting and it is setting up a very science fiction thing but then all of a sudden like you see a man fly through space and he's on a station and it gets real like um more confident in the filmmaking part of it so it becomes like oh wow this is this is what i was looking for yeah what's interesting about this is that i know tarkovsky is on record as saying he didn't really like 2001 that much and Mm -hmm. it's fascinating to sort of see because i I think there's a there's there's a good reason to sort of consider tarkovsky and kubrick and some other directors of this time period of being in kind of like the i don't know the the round table if you will of the time right where they're contemporary directors making some of like the best films that were considered at the time um, obviously Kubrick is more known to a Western audience because they're in English, but uh, Tarkovsky's kind of, you know, on that level for, from a different country. And what's interesting is that, um, like, the the trip to the space station, like, it's just kind of like ethereal and almost abstract. We don't really get to see it properly. It's just kind of showing yeah. from his face. And you don't really see much of what the, the trip looks like. Whereas you compare that to 2001, Kubrick's doing like slow shots of ships <laughs> spinning for 10 minutes, showing you how the, they... The Blue Dano plane. Yeah. Da, 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 so, da, but, so you can... Da. I think what I like about that is you can see how these two really talented filmmakers both have completely different tastes in what they want out of science fiction. Because Tarkovsky... Um, like I, I was reading there's some like his thoughts. This is just, just like on the Wikipedia. He was talking about uh, this and Stalker, which is because those are his two sci-fi movies. And he said that he, he thought Stalker was more successful to him than this one was. Did that one come after? One... Stalker came after. Yeah, Stalker Kit was uh, I want to say the early eighties. Uh, but Stalker, he felt like completely transcended the genre, and it kind of does. Like this one still has some of the trappings in the sense that we still because we're still going to a space station there's still like characters having to spout a lot of exposition and he felt that this one still had to kind of like function a little bit too much within the constraints of what a sci-fi movie is um because that's the interesting thing about tarkovsky is he wants to use the sci-fi to tell these really interesting philosophical stories about characters and human nature but he's not necessarily interested in some of the more nerdy sci-fi shit that we like from other things he's not interested in doing lots of space stuff or doing lots of spaceship stuff he, he's interested in the human condition and what, what, what it's saying about uh like the meaning of life and memory and time and what all these things like mean it's, it's, it's a bit of a tone poem in a lot of ways at times uh, yeah, i was getting some real um blade runner vibes from the story but it's much much better than blade runner i'm just going to put that out there right now <laughs> i mean i also agree <laughs> it's much better uh, I actually read afterwards as well that uh, Christopher Nolan listed this as an influence that inspired Inception, and I can kind of see it, actually, with one particular element. Uh, I, can, I can see the gears in Tara's head turning. I'm, I'm working on it. <laughs> You're going to have to tell me. I, I, to do... To do, to do oh, is to it do about... With... Okay, okay. Maybe I know. <sighs> yes, okay. I don't want to spoil it. It's about it. Harry. Yes. Yes. Okay. 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 <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> right. So, 
Yeah, like, like, like the, the movie's playing with um, a main character who is cold, who is cynical, who doesn't believe anyone when they tell them anything about the station, really. He's, he's really cut off about it. And it's kind of about him, like, sort of connecting with his humanity through learning about, like, what things actually mean to him. There's, there's a big... Co- and I think part of the reason why that first part of the movie is so important is because there's a big... You, you're supposed to feel the absence of world, right? You're supposed to feel the absence of Yeah, I mean, you definitely green. get reminded of the natural world while you're there the whole time. I mean, he takes a walk around the pond every morning, they say, and they really, you know... I mean, the opening shots are of the water and yeah, yeah. So, so putting his hands when, in it when, and stuff like that. When you're on the station, you're supposed to feel the absence of all that. You're supposed to feel the absence of natural life and the absence of of, of Earth. And there's, there's discussion about missing certain sounds from Earth, of missing the feel of a breeze, the sound of rustling. You know, there's you know, there's a little bit where he says, oh, if you put these bits of paper up against the vents, it will sound like leaves rustling at night time. Uh, and it's just... All these little things of like, I think this movie at its core is about both appreciating the people and the world and the what you have around you, but also at the same time not wanting to fall victim to just like being in love with nostalgia and like the things from before. Yeah. Um, yeah, nostalgia is a big topic in this. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of, but it's it's not like a, a one sided thing though, because I feel like often when these subjects come up, it's one or the other. I think this one, I actually think the the fear of nostalgia is the lesser of the two. I think a lot more of it is about about the main character uh, Kelvin, him not really dealing with his past or the people around him and not appreciating. I think that's actually a bigger deal than the. And nostalgia is not even the right word. I actually think I regret using that word now. I don't think about I don't. it. I, I regret using nostalgia because. I, I think it's a bit more... It's it's less about remembering the good times and it's more about... Oh, spoilers. <laughs> so so we'll get we'll get into that in the nitty-gritty. Uh, but these are the sort of conversations that I think this, this movie brings up. Um, but it also brings up some cool science fiction stuff that, you know, as to what constitutes a living being and what constitutes someone being a sentient living being with rights and th- these almost feel like a happenstance in a weird way but at the same time they do add to the themes because so much about the movie is like what is life what counts as life um and appreciating that life for what it is and like so there's, there's all these things that that click together very nicely it's definitely a thinking person's movie though and it's one that i think having watched it twice for the purpose of this like I did kind of appreciate it even more the second time, which was my third viewing overall. But I think it's one that every time you watch it, you're probably going to think about it a little bit differently because you're coming at it from a different lens. You're you're coming at it again, um, which I guess is a lot of red flags for people who don't want you know some snobby like movie that's not some action film. Yes, if 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 that if the sound of this scares you, I mean, it's you, already a foreign film. Those people aren't going to watch it anyway. That, 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 that's that's true. That's true. Uh, I don't know. I feel I feel like that's uh, there is some crossover now. I, I feel like there's been enough successful things uh, in the last couple of decades, foreign movie wise, that some people may actually still want to try foreign films, but don't want this type of film. Okay, it has to be Parasite. That's it. I was or Hazabi's. Yeah, I wasn't thinking. I was thinking more stuff like Trader Bissan, which is a great movie. I love Trader Bissan, but mm-hmm. 
Well, I mean, the horror community has always been more forgiving about that. They've always been more into um, foreign films, I'd say. Just because there's so much good stuff that comes from Asia. But uh, I love the the set design. I love that the, the station has this kind of like, there's a lot of red in the walls. And I kind of love that because obviously red you associate with blood. So you feel like you're inside something living, but it's not real. It's a fake living because real living, well, there is red in real living, obviously, because we all have blood. But, you know, in, this, in the context of this movie, the real living is all represented with green. It's all represented with Yeah, I would say red's, red's like literally the opposite color of green. Yeah. So it's kind of reminding you that it's not natural. You're very yeah. much away from nature. Yeah. Um, and obviously, obviously everything's very kind of sterile. I mean, it's all about run down and like those, those wires like dangling out of certain places, but it's very sterile. It's very, like the, the, the rooms themselves, the quarters are just these sort of plain areas for the most part uh there's i i don't understand the one room with the melting fridge in the middle of it <laughs> it's like one of the main hallways but there's like this it looks like a a refrigerator or like a uh, maybe like a snack vending machine <laughs> but it's like slightly melted and off you know a little skew little uh, tower of pizza i mean i wonder if that was is that supposed to be that way or is that because something happened at some point that did it i don't know did that to it? I, I just that, of all the things i want the explanation for it's that it's just i mean it's probably just part of the damage <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of what i took it as i don't know is it supposed to be like that is it just a space thing is it important that it's skewed why has no one fixed it if it's not i don't have an answer for you <laughs> if it is a vending machine does it still work why do you think it's a vending machine? Nothing about it gave me vending machine vibes. It looks a little like a vending machine. Of the future. Wasn't it like clear? It was like white. It was pretty opaque. Yeah, so... It didn't look like it had anything inside it, which is why I'm doubting the vending... Unless you're thinking it's like a Star Trek like materializer that just spits something out. It doesn't feel like they have that technology. It's, it's actually kind of funny. The, the way he kind of arrives at the station, it kind of just feels like he parks a rocket. <laughs> I mean, you don't see it, but that's kind of the implication, is that he's just come out of a dock, and it's just kind of like, everything's kind of dirty and concrete and blah, blah, blah. You know, like, oh, it's, you know, and, and metal. Concrete and metal. That's all everything is. It looks a little bit like he gets the contact version of space travel, which is like a, a sphere that's transparent that he's just flying through space. And then all of a sudden he's on the station. We do see a rocket though later on, so we know like they do travel by rocket. It was I, the first. It was the first sci-fi thing we saw, so I was like, "Oh, whoa, what's this?" And then all of a sudden he's on the station, surrounded by steam. It's very industrial looking. And then of course you got the planet itself, which is just—I mean, obviously I said it's an, a, an ocean planet, which basically means it's just a body of water. But every time it cuts to the body of water, you know, it swirls in interesting ways. It's always kind of an you know a weird color. It does kind of always feel very ethereal and ominous and like, oh, there's like something more mysterious, which is actually something else about Stalker. And I love about this is that Tarkovsky is really good at taking like a weird abstract idea and just solidifying it so much that it feels like something has a presence, even though it's just an ocean. <laughs> like, even though it's just an ocean, every, when it starts cutting to it, the more it cuts to it throughout the film is stuff's just happening and they're talking about it like it's sentient or whatever. Like, whenever it cuts to it, you do sort of, like, think about it and go, oh, there is this force. There's this force coming from down below that's having an effect on them. You feel it. It, it becomes this tangible thing, almost. 
And that's really impressive because, you know, most directors who try and, you know, take something that abstract and make it part of the plot, it usually just feels like forced and goofy and like a plot device. And I don't think it ever does here. It actually genuinely feels like it has character, which is absurd to think about. Yeah, I mean, obviously he uses just shots of bodies of water and then he puts a filter over top of it to make it look alien. But there are some moments where it doesn't behave like water, for sure. Like, there, it seems to be maybe mercury or something that's been used instead. Something mm-hmm. that's like, well, that doesn't really look like what I know an ocean to look like. Even if it's not blue. You know, I mean, there's something else there. To, to be fair, you say that as if we, like, we, we, we don't, I mean, who says this is water? We know it's an ocean. <laughs> like, they never said it was water, technically. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, yeah. it, it, there's something very alien yeah. about it. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, like it could be some weird alien. We, we may not have this substance. Well, they've established that the that this. I mean, the reason that Solaris is built there is because they don't really know what the planet is made of, but they know that it, it or they think it might be of use to us. Like, it's just some unknown material that maybe could be, you know, used for technology or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, it's a it's a cool effect whenever it cuts down to it though. Uh, I dig it. Uh, performances yeah. uh, are by and large very good. Um, I would say the girl that plays Harry is excellent, like really good. She's very good. Everyone else is good. I think she's like do, the standout do, of the film. Do you want a bit of trivia on the actress who played Harry? Sure. <laughs> While she was making the movie, she fell in love with the director. Oh really? Yeah, um, she seemed pretty young. So just, just a bit, a bit of trivia. I just I happened to see that when I was uh, doing a little bit of reading afterwards, and I was like, oh, okay, that's an interesting tidbit. Um, Did they like date or? I don't get think married? so. I don't think so. I think oh, it was. She just fell in love. She fell in love. I think it was unrequited. Um, mm-hmm. Which it kind of mirrors her character in a weird way. I don't want to talk about her too much because she is very spoiler. Are we not in spoilers yet? No, no, we're not in spoilers yet. Oh. Uh, um. So, yeah, she is very good. I, I think uh, also Kelvin's good. I also like Snout, who the entire time I was thinking, you're the Russian Lance Henriksen. That, that was my that was my description yeah, of her in my head. Um, so, you know, uh, I, I think it's obviously a very small cast because it is mostly on a space station with a very limited amount of people. There's a few characters on Earth, of course, that we see um, before, but by and large, it's not a big cast. Uh, and I get... Again, you know, I'm noticing there's definitely a lot of like parallels with this and Stalker and like limited cast, very philosophical, uh, sort of abstract ideas made more realized and treated like they're they're important and that working. Like you can, I can definitely tell they're both made by the same person. Like I can feel the, the the, you know, the the artist strokes, if you will, if you know whatever fancy terminology you want to use between them. Um, so. No, I, no, I like the performances. It's, it's you know, it's a, it's not it's a cheery movie. It's very dour for a lot of it. Yeah. Um, you may joke that that's just Russians, <laughs> but um, to be fair, the subject of the movie is pretty like it's so gargantuan in scope that it is a very sort of daunting thing that they are all kind of freaking out about. Uh, understandably. Sure. Although some of the reactions from people when things start happening are kind of like, hmm, you're not really given a whole lot here. <laughs> maybe it's just a russian stoicism thing yeah so no it cast is good and direction is very strong there's a lot of really interesting cinematography we've talked about playing with the colors but 
like the the station itself is you know it's donut shaped right it's, it's got that classic sort of space station donut shape to it and there is shots yeah. where they've clearly built if not a full circular hallway enough of it that they're doing really long shots going around it and uh there's a lot of play of mirrors in here um interestingly i've not seen it yet but tarkovsky did make a film called mirror so I'm, I'm curious to see like how they're using that but here the the idea of reflections and there's a big speech about reflections that we'll have to bring up later uh so a lot, a lot of really smart touches um even at the start of the movie when it's kelvin just looking at the water uh near his father's house there's like a there's a couple of moments where it'll just be nature on its own and then he'll walk into frame and then the camera will pan to reveal the house which is the man-made structure because up until that point there's been no man-made structures the only man-made things on the screen up until this point are literally the clothes that he's wearing and like mm-hmm. other than that it's just nature um not that I'm suggesting he should have been naked. I'm just saying, like, that's how it is. So he's in nature, it transitions to a man-made structure, um, and starts to introduce the themes, which we're about to get into, I think, in spoilers. But uh, is there anything else you want to add before we uh, we get into the the spoilers? No, I think I'm ready. The spoilers. Uh, so, yeah, we'll give a spoiler warning then. So, full spoilers for Solaris from this point on. And the movie has two hours and 40 seven minutes or something like that it's a long ass movie um and i think we could go through it in order i feel like just talking about it in terms of themes is probably a better idea sure to keep this like a more of a coherent conversation uh the big obvious plot beats that i was avoiding talking about much is that the station forms people uh from it forms avatars of people based on whoever's on the station and their memories so harry who we mentioned is kelvin's wife his dead wife so solaris creates a new version of her uh from his memory and the others have you know because there's glimpses of the other characters who we see just glimpses off at the start who are like they're not meant to be here who's this random person with snout who's, who's, like, who's this yeah, little- a child just wandering or something well it's a little person i think i think it's uh, the other oh, scientist yeah. there's like a little person runs out and he actually like, kick him back into the room and it's like Wait, I thought he was d- kind of abusive, so maybe it was an adult. Yeah, and then I'm like, well, he's he's definitely not on the manifest. <laughs> like, <laughs> like who are these extra people that are that are here? Um, so the film is largely about him and his reaction to seeing his dead wife, and then exploring this dead wife because you know he basically tries to kill her, and then she comes back because Solaris will just keep making her again. And there's a lot of philosophical questions that come up, and then the backstory between him and his wife come up, and these are all the sort of things that. Are drawn out as the film progresses and uh they discuss what's what's going on so um yeah really 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 cool plot there's a really, really lot of interesting things to come from this yeah there's a lot of things going on inside it yeah i, I think like the, the themes to start with I, I think you know i mean there's a the character stuff with, with kelvin specifically about him being detached and cold, you know, what really stuck out to me, especially, like, watching it the second time in the last week, was knowing, like, and having watched it through again so that I remembered everything, and then watching it again with all that fresh in my head, is that there's that scene before he leaves where he's just, like, tossing some of his old shit in a fire, and he's, he's you know, father who's quite old now, like, not really thinking he's going to be alive by the time he gets back, because, you know, it's a long trip and whatever. And... He's like, ah, there's some important stuff that I've left in the house, but this can just go on a fire. And this is actually one of the scenes where the the, the, the colour's been drained. 
and it's got this kind of cold look to it um so like just this idea that he doesn't really value things around him he's very standoffish with his father uh they kind of just they don't fight but there's just kind of this bickering it's not like a very loving embracing conversation they're kind of mm-hmm. just debating he's like debating his thoughts on solaris with him he's debating everything else with him and uh it's like okay he's so like what? an angsty teen but an older man yeah yeah <laughs> i don't want to talk to you dad yeah or your new wife but but better middle-aged you know is, is definitely the the vibe yeah. uh and his reaction when he gets there though his reaction when he sees harry specifically is obviously fear he's like my dead wife's like sitting there <laughs> like what's happening mm-hmm. <laughs> what's going on and he and there's, like, there's a bit of foreshadowing here because you see a needle mark on her arm and that's obviously explained later but uh like his tactic here is to convince her to put on a spacesuit and go into the rocket and then he launches her into space and he's clearly not very good at this because he actually almost he, well he does set himself on fire he almost kills himself getting yes. rid of this harry luckily there is a handy fire blocking blanket there <laughs> that makes sense in a space station i think <laughs> i think uh if you really think about jet fuel and <laughs> sending a rocket into space uh I, I don't think that he would be like minor injuries but that's okay Oh no, I, I I agree with that. I, I'm just saying that the, the heat blanket <laughs> makes sense to have around. Sure. <laughs> uh, I mean, my my bigger argument would be why is it having to launch when they're in space? Literally, if you just open the door, it'll float out. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> like you don't need to launch it with with fuel of any kind. You know, I'll, I'll open the door and give it a nudge. Like that'll be it. <laughs> yeah, use um, the fuel once you're already in space. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you just feel to sort of direct yourself, but look, once you're moving at a speed, you can just just glide, like effectively. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't need to do it else. Yeah, uh, but that's okay. That's okay. Um, and then Harry, of course, comes back, and this time though he sort of you know because obviously he speaks to Stout in between to like demand answers, like what the hell's going on, what is this? Because because the first time he talks to them, they're just like, you know what. You're not going to believe a word. You're not going to understand. You just have to experience it for yourself. So we're not talking. Just piss off. Like go. go. Yeah, they're really unhelpful. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, that's the thing. He says, "Well, we'll have, we'll we'll talk in the morning." But he says that knowing that by the time they get to him in the morning, that some you know he'll see mm-hmm. evidence of what happens here, and it'll be an easier conversation because he'll and believe the, them. The scientist that he was going there or looking forward to seeing is someone that he's known in the past, but that one killed himself. Yeah, yeah, because he, he, he thought he was the only one having the visions. Yeah, he uh, he leaves like a message for him that which, which he watches, and it, again, it sets up the kind of the tension and some of the themes. It's sort of yeah, it's sort of giving us also the the exposition through his video message mm-hmm. of what's really happening. Yeah, because because there's like someone I think that's the one with the child uh, you mentioned. There's, there's a child mm-hmm. running around in this video. And you only see like the back of her head. You don't really see much of her, but just enough to imply there's a kid running around, which doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah, there's like a I want to say like a like a teenager, teenage girl or something there too. And then there was a, I think Snout had a like a small child. You see a child like laying down behind him when you first see Snout. And then the other doctor has like the the little person. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think so, those are the ones we see. But the t- so when Harry comes back the second time. Uh, 
he just kind of calmly doesn't i wouldn't say accepts it but he he doesn't you know react the same way he did before he sort of like just tries to accept it and just sort of see where it goes and at first harry if he leaves her on her own because he doesn't even like try to do anything mean he just sort of leaves the room and shuts the door but she like freaks out when he when he shuts the door like the idea of being disconnected from him like scares the shit out of her and and to break through the door yeah she makes a big dent uh she's like a terminator trying to break through and it and then her cuts like heal kind of magically right when he goes to, to help her and it's it's this interesting idea i think from if you look at the 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 plot with her and some of the themes with her like does she count as a living being is she sentient all that stuff is that she does have an arc where she she starts off being too scared to be left alone without him but then as the film goes on like it becomes okay and she not only does she start having her own thoughts but she also like can be left on her own um eventually she starts to like have her own thoughts and ideas and the idea that she doesn't really have any real memory she has like the memories kind of she's supposed to have to an extent but they're not real so she doesn't have any experience but no, she's very much just a newborn adult but as as she lives for like a day or two she actually starts to have her own experiences and therefore she starts to form her own opinions so one of the themes of the movie is absolutely like what makes us human is it, is it a series of memories which leads us to the, the question like well if you take away our memories are we a different person then um and you know you know there's someone who has completely lost their memory like are they just classed as like okay they should just be counted as new because ultimately they can never be the exact same person they were before no i mean uh, obviously just because someone has like alzheimer's or dementia doesn't mean that they're not who they are anymore I mean, I'm not saying I absolutely should be. I'm, I'm just posing the question. <laughs> I'm not directing that towards you. Oh, good. Because it sounded, it sounded like you were saying I'm an idiot for saying that someone with no memory. <laughs> no. no. Okay. <laughs> uh, because, but I think it's an interesting question. It, it, again, it's a philosophical question. It's like, what makes up who, who we are? Is it a series of memories and experiences? Uh, is it just... Because the counterpoint to this is that the other scientist, the asshole one, he's like, ah, oh, she doesn't count as a person because she's made up of neutrinos instead of, you know, what, you know, what we're made up of. So, uh, she, she's she's just a slab of beef, basically. Uh, we don't have to consider her feelings. We don't have to treat her in any specific way. We can be horrible to her. We can treat her like a lab rat. It doesn't matter because she doesn't count. She's not real. That's his attitude, which I, I definitely don't agree with. Like, I, I think once a person, once a being can think for themselves... Once they can fear, uh, you've crossed the line. They feel pain. Yeah, they feel pain. So there is a line that's been crossed. We're like, no, this is a living being of some kind. Like, just because they, they don't fit into the box that we fit into doesn't necessarily mean they're not, they, they shouldn't have some sort of rights or some sort mm-hmm. of uh, empathy. Uh, so that's, you know, that's one of the themes of the movie. Super interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, that, that, that side of things is, is, uh, Definitely one of the most science fictiony elements, but it, it still fits into the philosophical questions that the movie's as- asking as well. Right. This is sort of the the Blade Runner comparison of like our, you know, synthetics humans or or is data a human and deserves rights just because it's something that's built or is artificial or something that is a copy of someone or clones, you know, humans too. Do we treat them that way or? You know, it's a it's a common sci-fi theme. This is done in a very different way. This is, um, but it, it's you know it's familiar, familiar sci-fi. 
Yeah, and I'm all, I also think the, uh, in this case specifically, though, the, the other element to it which goes away from the synthetic comparison is the uh, the idea that she's created from a memory. So there's the idea mm-hmm. of, like, well, this person's gone. So this isn't really Harry, right? This is this is the Harry that's in his head. So one, one of the things I took from this as well at the start is part of her fear of being left alone and part part of it's kind of backed up because he does believe, you know, we find out later on that the real Harry committed suicide and it was after they separated. So it's not so much that he has this weird, like, view on what happened necessarily, but the idea that because she did kill herself after they separated, he kind of remembers her as being dependent on him. And I was wondering if that plays into why she's so scared of being left alone without him early on yeah. in the movie. Um, but even just on a, a larger scale, like the idea that, well, she's based on what he thinks she was, not what she actually was. And he's probably close, but you can never really be, like, even my interpretation of you, right? Like, it's not going to be exactly who you are. It's going to be how I view you in the world. Same with anyone else. So mm-hmm. that's a really interesting theme to explore as well, is that this is a version of her that's only kind of like his interpretation of her. And that's not because he's a heart based on very you know extreme memories of her. Oh, ones of course, of yeah. Like a very clo- of closeness of love, which she has a lot of for him, or and ones of um, you know obviously the traumatic suicide that you went through. And it's not to say that uh, I, I'm saying he's like a shitty person for th- like I I don't think any of the, the sort of the the faults in her from being created from his memory are conscious things that he intentionally thinks of maliciously. It's just inherently no, just the you know, things that we have in our minds you know yeah we're gonna hold on to those more extreme ends of things yeah for the, exa- you know the good memories and the ultra bad ones too for example if they created you from my memories you'd probably always have a garrett graham t-shirt on just because always just because that's like the first thing i associate with you so you know like, like- i should probably get one <laughs> <laughs> you would always have headphones on even uh-huh. not podcasting Oh really? Okay, that's that's that'd be my thing. Okay, I can see it. Um, so like, I think that's a really cool, like, idea to explore as well. Is that she's never really her. She's always just. Mm-hmm. And this is the other thing that I also love about this is that it's also because I I often joke when I'm talking about bad movies when I'm talking about the room or or Bird Out. One of the things that I always say when I talk about the dialogue in those movies is it's like an alien who's like observed human beings tries to like recreate what we are like in a movie but something's not quite right i always actually weirdly i thought of those movies a little bit when i was watching this not because of the filmmaking obviously because it's well, no, that's day. exactly what's happening though but yeah in, in the <laughs> sense that yeah this, this ocean this sentient planet or sentient like whatever it is it's effectively trying to create a living human out of like memories of the people on board so mm-hmm. It is kind of like them trying to understand how we are. So I think the other big theme of this movie to me is like an outside force trying to understand us and the creations that it makes are a little off because it doesn't quite get us yet. Actually, I was I was thinking about the film and why the alien entity is doing this because I was a bit confused. It, it's obviously trying to establish communication, but is it learning from creating these beings in their head like they have the ability to go into our heads and create something from memory so they're clearly very powerful but they also seem kind of limited on their abilities to communicate 
assuming that's that's not by choice. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I guess it kind of well, plays into the theme of uh, experimentation. Well, so, what, like, what, humans what? are willing to... Hold on, hold on. Okay. Humans are there to, like, experiment on Solaris and see what they can take from it. But really, like, we're sort of the rats in the cage for Solaris and experimenting on humans. Oh, yeah, basically what I was going to say is that effectively we are exactly to them as they are to us. And uh, they're, like, because they mentioned in the movie that all these things started happening when they first, like, shot some x-rays down to the ocean to see what would happen. And mm -hmm. I like the idea that what Solaris is doing to them is just the same thing. It's just, like, firing stuff into their heads and seeing what happens. And it's just, it's, it's just one-to-one -one almost. It's, it's just, that's all it is. Um, and, that's, and obviously, reflections are a big part of the movie, and I think the idea that these, these beings are being created out of, like, a, a mirror of like what's in the head of the, these other characters is... And there's a couple of notable conversations that uh, that Harry has with Kelvin that, that are shot in a mirror, where they're looking at a mirror when they're, mm -hmm. they're having the conversation. That's when we find out... Um, not that she died, I think, but it's when, it's when we find out that she didn't... That his mother didn't like her, and that's like part of the the backstory that's that, that's brought up uh, throughout. Um, what well, before we go any further, since, since we're talking about what the planet's doing and what it's trying to figure out, I think this is a good time to go back to the start of the movie and talk about the testimony that's given from the pilot. Okay. And the and the old film reel. Uh. So. Basically, this guy. Uh, what was his name? Burton. He wanted to show, and we know that some time has passed because in present day he's got, you know, he's balded a bit and he's a bit older uh, and he looks younger in the, in the film. And he was a, a, a pilot back when the station was more... Actually, they look so different. I did not realize that they are the same person until like the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I have to admit, I didn't notice it immediately. It was like halfway through the scene on the first viewing where I kind of went, oh wait, this is the same guy. He's just, he's just older <laughs> yeah. here. Uh, so good makeup job. I mean, if <laughs> nothing else, <laughs> it was convincing. It might just be a wig. The toupee. The toupee might be the thing that did it. <laughs> but he um, he wanted to come and like sort of give a heads up to to uh, our main character Kelvin, right? And he he happens to know Kelvin's father, which is why he's got kind of like a a direct line to him. And he comes over and shows here's this testimony, and it was like. And it's a lot of this is exposition. This is how we set up at the start that there's weird effects happening on the station and everyone who's there is kind of acting weird and no one knows why they're acting this way. And he tells this great story in his testimony about how him and some of the pilots were missing for a few hours when they went out to do a flight over the ocean and one pilot didn't come back. Um, and But this Burton guy did, obviously. And he's talking about how when they were flying over the ocean, they started to see like almost like massive like land forming or it was like a substance was like solidifying creating little islands or or try to do something right it, it was it was, it was having a hard time to describe it but it was, it was sort of like trying to say it was forming something different and mm -hmm. then he tells this really outrageous part where he saw a child he looked down and he saw a child but with a really weird element which is that the, t the child looked like it was about like what four meters tall i think he said mm -hmm. and I, get, I think this plays into the... I think this is the first time they, the Solaris tried to make something from someone's head. This was maybe the first time it happened and they got it so wrong that they made a child, yeah. you know, like 15 foot tall, whatever, four meters. I wonder, I wonder if that's the reason why um, it does it now or afterwards, it does it while people are sleeping. 
that's when it invades the head. Oh, maybe yeah, maybe it's maybe it's difficult to do it while they're awake. Yeah, there's yeah. like because that one was was you know yeah. presumably piloting through it. And the really neat part is this is that when he's on his way home afterwards and he's had a bit of a tiff with Kelvin because Kelvin kind of dismisses what he says, is he calls back and says, oh, there's one extra element I need to tell you that I that, that I should have mentioned. This is kind of important. Is that years after, because he was friends with the pilot who disappeared and never came back, he went to go see his son. He had a young son. And lo and behold... His son looked identical to, all in the height, obviously, but looked identical to what he saw on the surface of Solaris. Mm-hmm. And it kind of sets up this idea, again, that it's making copies of people. So you can already sort of see, given what we've already talked about in the movie, you can see that this took his this guy's son from his mind and tried to make him, and obviously messed it up a bit. But this was kind of like, I thought this was a great tease of what was to come. Uh because it was mysterious, it was weird, it was like, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, Plus, everything looks like modern day when you're mm-hmm. watching it. So it doesn't look like we're in a sci-fi film yet. Uh, but the story that he's telling is obviously very sci-fi. I mean, they've gone to another planet outside mm-hmm. of our solar system. He's describing something truly very alien and a bizarre form of maybe communication, maybe experimentation. Like the, <laughs> It's not a thing that we've ever seen before. Yeah, because what I like about it is there's, there's two parts to it that you said there. Is that the first part is that okay they're they're they've went to a different planet and they're doing these experiments and they've got a space station and all that. That's the part that all the characters in the movie believe because it's true and they know it's true. But mm-hmm. then he starts telling all this stuff that they don't believe. They think he's crazy. <laughs> this is a bunch of nonsense, <laughs> and they all react as such. Um, I will say I have one nitpick of this scene is that every time it cuts to like someone else like talking to him in this footage. There's this like weird beeping. It's almost like they're buzzing in to speak, and it mm-hmm. plays this beeping noise so much throughout this scene that I was like ready to throw something at the wall. <laughs> Minor nitpick, but it did annoy me. Uh, sure. So, um, but yeah. So uh, like, I-, I thought this was a great tease for the rest of the film, and you can sort of see how it plays into what we learn and what the ending eventually is, and because I think the ending maybe tells you where this guy went. Uh, this pilot. So super interesting stuff uh yeah through and through um so i yeah. like the um the guy that shows up in the video beforehand like giving us the the rundown of what we're going to watch and why we're there mm-hmm. he was very uh i don't know he felt very soviet like the soviet part of it came in like yeah, the, yeah. don't tell us anything bad now or anything crazy <laughs> you're representing <laughs> mother russia here <laughs> yeah um so to cut back ahead then to like all this stuff going on with Harry and Kelvin, uh, like there's so much character stuff that comes up that I think is good character discussion stuff. Like, um, mm-hmm. like when they're debating whether or not they should do this extreme stuff and you know to fire this radiation down, uh, Snout has the idea to send down like someone's thoughts. Uh, Kelvin being the the one that they use for it, which they do actually try, uh, and then. Then the other guy, the asshole guy, is just kind of like, oh, I think I've thought of a way to kill the creations. And it's like, well, that's a bit cold and dark and violent, but he's yeah. just viewing it as, you know, like the science specimens. They're just weird things. They're, that's it. They're not they're not living. And it leads to a great scene, actually, when they're all together in the library, which is probably the only room in the station that looks very natural because it's wooden and has books. Mm-hmm. And it, look, it looks like a room that you'd see on Earth as opposed to uh, a space station. Right. 
I think it's interesting the behavior of everybody around her also. Like you can see Mm -hmm. exactly how everybody feels about her. Like the one guy just doesn't even acknowledge that she's in the room or at least talks to her like she's um, like like she's not there. Yeah, Snout is a bit more kind of like friendly about it, but. I think Snout's excited that there's like a young woman. Like he seems to be excited that she's um, like she's more grown up since he's been dealing with children (laughs) the whole time. yeah um and of course what one like, of the things oh, you're with- lucky you got like a hot lady companion i have to deal with this kid and one of the things that's interesting about kelvin's character though is that he does become attached to this version of harry like what once he once he realizes she gets scared and any comforts her he starts to feel needed by her right in the same way that he he assumed that she would need to feel needed by him and- do you think this is also just a you know what would happen if you would get like somebody a version of someone that was in your head versus versus somebody with their who, who you don't quite understand as well i think i think it starts off that way but that's the thing she gains her, her own agency as the movie goes on you know it's this it's this very interesting dynamic because she's kind of harry but she's not and she's starting to have her own experiences and form her own opinions and she has a big speech about you know her being a living being and like saying oh you call us like an existential crisis yeah, yeah. yeah you call us guests you call us this and there's a great moment after everyone leaves that like sort of it's weird to call it a party but it's like a birthday party scene um where she's staring at a, a painting. There's like a a mural on the wall. And Kelvin comes in to stare. And it's one of these moments where the, the, the movie slows down, just like sort of like the camera just goes over this painting as music plays. Because music doesn't play often in the movie. It's only a few key moments where this, this one track of music plays. But mm-hmm. it plays during this. And it's like a it's like a early stages of a small town, uh, presumably in North America. Uh, maybe the idea of like... And, the, the way I was kind of reading it is it was like this sort of like idea of the frontier because this this station itself is kind of the new frontier. It's the new trying to... And it's actually this scene where the snout goes on t- onto a bit of a like a monologue about how why they're out there and says, you know, we claim it's for this and it's that and it's for, you know, getting in touch with the rest of the, the universe and expanding and all the rest of it. But that's not true. We just want to spread humanity further. We want a mirror. That's what we want. We don't want to like learn about new things. Yeah, we want to just see more of ourselves and sort of confirm that we are important. Um, and I think which is what the aliens doing. Yeah, and I, and I think that's kind of what that that ties into the theme of the movie of like uh, and that, that's maybe where the danger of nostalgia, if you want to call it that, kind of comes into it. As much as there's a lot of positive things of like Kelvin working through his guilt about what happened to his wife. And the fact that he's never... Because he obviously he became a really cold figure after that. And the fact that he, he did choose his career over her as well. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's, all, there's decisions that he made, obviously, in his past that are, are alluded to. Uh, and he's forgotten to to be a loving person. He's forgotten to uh, look for someone else. You know, even when he thinks about his parents. And we see like, there's a couple of quick flashbacks where he's thinking about seeing his mother. And he's thinking about, you know, spending time with his father when he was younger. There are these warm memories, not literally because it's in the snow, but <laughs> there's these warm memories. That... Not all of it's in the snow. Not all of it, but some of it is. Like, I uh... mean, like when you think about his mom, she goes from like, you know, being around flowers in this like really, you know, bright, colorful dress to being in the snow, like covered yeah. in fur and stuff like that, and then goes back to it. So it doesn't seem to be happening like in sequence even. It seems to be out of order. Yeah, that's that's something I think Tarkovsky likes to mess around with. He likes the idea of like, like I say, the, the tone poem where it'll jump around narratively a little bit, regardless of mm-hmm. you know, like he's not scared to just like, oh, I just want to jump to this because this is what he's thinking about, even if it doesn't. 
in a traditional movie sense like feels weird to us who are just used to what the modern hollywood movie rules are mm -hmm. uh so uh which, 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 which i i can get into i think you have to like know you get into that though you have to like be prepared for it but like it's it does create a feeling it creates this kind of like flow of conscience as it as it goes yeah it just takes you out of your comfort zone yeah it forces you to think about things a bit more so so you have this idea that okay if all we want and this is a mistake but if all we want is kind of like our perfect version of ourselves or a reflection of what we think we are and that kind of ties into him only seeing a recreation of his version of harry as opposed to the real harry you know so even in a personal sense his relationship with her he didn't want harry he wanted the harry that he thought or you know either conce conceived her to be or wanted her to be or whatever version he had in his mind when he thought this is the harry i'm going to spend my life with you know and then yeah. it's like no she, she's a free-thinking person with her own thoughts and that didn't always line up with him and that's scary to someone so do you think the ending kind of contradicts that though or, or makes it more like tragic i think the ending's tragic i i see the ending as him giving in to like the ending to me is him basically admitting that he's never going to get over it and be better so he's just going to give in to the like the temptation of going to wherever that is you know right i mean if you want to explain it first then, yeah you know, i should the probably explain making it. some islands yeah so, so towards the end of the movie uh he does have some other scenes he has like a really intense not intense that's not the right word but a really immersive flashback where it actually switches to his mother and his mother like washes his hand because it's dirty and it's just really the cleansing and like the comfort of your mother and going back to the like you know, it's, it's almost like he's, he's, instead of, like, fixing his interpersonal issues and skills and what he is as an adult, he's reverting back to just wanting his mother to take care of him. <laughs> this is you know, kind of, like, part of what I was taking from it. Um, but the end of the movie is that you think he's gone back to Earth because the, 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 the guests, as the, they call them, have left because of the, of the neutrino bomb or whatever he's done. Um, the other scientist that is. Uh, who notably, like, because this is a great moment, because Snout's in talking to him, like, you know, it's like the bedside scene where he's talk telling them what happened, because mm -hmm. Kelvin's kind of sick for a little bit towards the end when he's getting really delirious, and the asshole scientist is about to come in, and he hears them talking, and basically decides not to. I thought that was a perfect representation of, like, what that character represents, is that he just, he can't deal with the emotional side of it, he can't deal with the, the people. Everything's just raw numbers and stats and figures, and, mm -hmm. um, because, when we do eventually do Stalker, one of the things we're going to talk about a lot is that the three main characters represent the, the ego, the super ego, and the id, right? The idea that the characters represent broad ideas. Great Freud. <laughs> but here it does kind of feel like these three characters on the station kind of represent different, like, you know, lines of thinking when it comes to some mm -hmm. of this stuff. Uh, but yeah, so, so we think he's going home because now it says he should and it feels like he's going to. And the ending is that he's on what looks like the next to his, his dad's house. Um, and his dad, by the way, mentioned he doesn't like innovation, so they, they sort of modelled this house after an old-fashioned house. Yeah, but it means they can use something that's comforting to us and a set that's already around. Yeah, well, yeah, but I'm, I'm not thinking practically. I'm thinking thematically it works because the whole idea that he he likes the comfort in the, the old-fashioned, the nostalgia, the you know the olden times that were simpler 
uh, as opposed to like because I, I think he even has a i think he actually has the line i don't like innovation <laughs> i think that's a line of dialogue that he has at the start of the movie he's got uh, a tv though although it is a black and white tv yeah i, I don't know if that's just like a stylistic choice rather than like a tv <laughs> yeah, is just no, black just and joking. white uh, so anyway so it looks like he's back at his dad's house he's looking at the water he's looking at everything um it's all very slow and tranquil the music's get and i actually i have to say this is like one of the, the creepiest Fuck. moments like i think that i wouldn't say i've seen the movie but I, I think for a movie that's not been creepy up until this point it's been a theory that's been kind of mysterious and whatever but there's a moment here as he's walking towards the house and he notices that there's something wrong with it because there's like almost rain inside the house, like dripping on his dad. And the main thing is, that, okay, it could be just a leak, but the fact that his dad's not acknowledging it and just like walking through yeah. it, and it's like, it is very much because it rained, you know, yeah. when when he was on Earth right before he left, it rained and he went and everyone went inside. Well, I think he stood out there in the rain for a little bit, but yeah. you see like the tea and stuff that filling up with rainwater. So I think it's just yeah, Solaris is made this thing but she got something wrong i say she but like <laughs> she yeah uh, but <laughs> it got something wrong <laughs> but this moment is really creepy it, it genuinely is unsettling because it is just this one simple little touch of him not acknowledging it makes it feel like he's not real this isn't yeah. real and all of a sudden we're like oh he didn't go home yeah and he comes out and he actually and kelvin falls to his knees and hugs his father's legs uh obviously not really his father but he hugs his father's legs and the camera pulls up, pulls up, pulls up, and we see that this is actually just a really small island in Solaris, and he's on the mm-hmm. planet. And he's given in to the fantasy. He's given in to... Well, we know he doesn't have a good com- or good relationship with his father, but yes. in this world, he can. I mean, that, that, obviously him falling to his knees and hugging him is him wanting to have a good relationship with his father. De- definitely. Like, yeah. that's something that he definitely wants at the end of the movie, and he regrets, you know, the way he is with them. Obviously, his relationship with his mother obviously seemed very stressed as well. Um, there's so many elements. Like that, This is why it's such a good movie to discuss, because there's all these themes that are interlinking that do all bounce off of each other. The theme of what is humanity, the theme of uh, like his coldness and, and appreciating what's around him, the themes of the dangers of being too reliant on the past. Um the, the theme you know all, all these things the, the themes of the new frontier and the idea that this is the new frontier and inherently a new frontier because you know if you think about like like you know if you think of america right you think of the frontier of america like the people who who traveled to what we now know as the united states and founded a lot of like the modern world they didn't just integrate with the Native Americans, did they? Like, it wasn't like a clean transition. I don't know any. Yeah, I'll, it, it, it was a bit different from that. It was more like, no, we want to establish just, you know. I mean, look, think about what places in America are called. New York. <laughs> New, mm-hmm. You know, like, New England. Nova Scotia. Yeah, like, that, that's Canada, but I same difference. <laughs> but, you, you know, like like so much of it is the idea that it wasn't about accepting what was already there it's about no 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 this is now the second york this is now the second this is why people want to go to mars right they want to have a clean slate and start over and do what they want with the people they want but but it's it's going to be like new new york and it's going to be (laughs) i just mean like there is a romanticism about like 
I, a fresh start, you oh, know, sure. starting yeah. from scratch and getting it right this well, time. I, actually, one, one of the things I, I think is also a big theme of the movie that ties into these things is back at the start. So, so after uh, Burton leaves and there's this long sequence of him traveling into the city in the car. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. And it lasts a long time. This is like a very... Do you know what it's almost like? You know how in 2001 you have the you know, the Jupiter thing, right? Where he's like, just, it's just this weird psychedelic trip for like 10 minutes. This yeah, is, I remember that. <laughs> this is the the opposite of that, but the same idea, which is it's, it's the, the urban version of it. It's just traveling on a, a network of highways that all interlink. Because I think that's the important thing about that, that scene, is that even before we go to space, we start off in this beautiful, natural world with an old-fashioned house with lots of lakes and green. And then he travels then into the city. we go to Tokyo. <laughs> he travels into the city, and it's just concrete, interlinking. It's just a network mm-hmm. of concrete. Lots of tunnels. And tunnels yeah. and Unfortunately, it, it does kind of date the film, though. It doesn't look very futuristic. And all the cars no. and stuff are, are of that time. I don't think it matters too much, though, honestly, in the grand scheme of things. Because I don't think this movie wants the the world to feel futuristic. It just like it's, it's, it's well, I mean, they did film it in Tokyo, I believe. It looks like Tokyo to me. It looks like Japan. Uh, 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 yeah, I'm sure, but I, I don't think I think the movie's supposed to feel more or less just like oh, it's it's just it's the near future because it's basically today, but we have space travel that's you know normal and advanced, and we're going to a space station on another planet, uh, like. At least, if they were trying to make it feel futuristic, I don't think they did. They, they did much of it. <laughs> like it didn't feel like they were to me. Uh, but, but I think I think that sequence actually works quite well because the the whole the whole point of it is like, look at how much of this place we have ruined <laughs> with with these awful, ugly structures. That uh, and don't get me wrong, I, I'm not saying I I like. I think the fact that we can travel via road is very important part of world society and very convenient and. Like I'm not. I don't like it. <laughs> I'm not speaking out against it. I'm just saying that there is kind of like the world has been, you know, completely transformed by us. I just want portals already. We no we, more roads, just portals. We have already like consumed this world with with all of the like. There's no new horizons to conquer, so naturally we're trying to do it on another planet now instead. So the idea that we're going to affect that planet just like you know we we've affected ours and we already kind of are because there's a little island that's formed that's based on earth from him you know and presumably there's another one presumably the pilot from before is on another island somewhere or maybe it didn't work and he just died and drowned because they didn't make an island in time because it was malfunctioning i mean who knows but like so you know yeah i mean i think this is where the danger of nostalgia kind of comes in though is where you know, the memory of something can be very different from what it actually is. And, and I mean, he wants to make amends with his father, but he chooses to go with the memory of his father versus his actual father to make amends. Yeah, I think that's why I, I said I didn't like the word nostalgia so much, is because it's it's the memory for sure, but it's... I, I think a lot of the, the movie with the memory of his wife is more about exploring kind of his, like, what he's not dealt with, this un, unpacked baggage of why he is the way he is and why it's important to embrace what has happened to you and the experiences you've went through. Um, and obviously the ending, yeah, he does give in to the, the illusion rather than going back and doing the real thing. Um, certainly it's how it feels. I mean, it does feel like a tragic ending to me. The, the ending, and I think the 
the way the horror music plays as he realizes it's not real. Although he still falls to his knees and cries <laughs> with, mm-hmm. with with fake daddy, but like, she didn't get the details right. <laughs> <laughs> Again, what is she? Why do you think the planet like is Mother feminine? Earth? You know, they okay. all should have. And plus, you know, she creates life. It's a woman thing. Okay, sure. I, I'm sure there's a couple of species where the man gives birth, but yeah, sure. <laughs> well, I mean the uh, seahorse. There you seahorse go. Seahorse does. Yeah. There you go. Basically, that's like Arnold and Junior as a seahorse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yes, the only I can think of anyway. Yeah. No, this is a fine... Uh, it's, a, it's a fine example. Uh, but, you know, I, like... That, that idea to me is... It's maybe less about embracing nostalgia and more about giving in to... Just your your illusion of it rather than the reality of it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like he he would rather like, it's more about like just fantasizing about it and that's enough, if it feels real enough, rather than actually doing it for real. And maybe he doesn't have the option. Maybe he does know that by the time he gets back, his dad's maybe it's going to be dead. But um, it it certainly doesn't feel like a a film where he's learned his lesson. It feels like a film where he's accepted. The, the turn that he made in his life after the, his wife's death and the person that he became but he's not actually he, he, he's kind of acknowledging that he's never really going to be strong enough to fight it or change it and, and change who he is that, yeah. that's, that's kind of what the ending to me feels like but I think it's open to interpretation though like I think that's just my reading on it sure uh, do, do you have any like like do, do you feel differently do you feel like there's a, an alternate take to this I mean, I, uh, not really. I I just assumed that it was, you know, giving into what you have in your mind is um, better for you because you don't have to deal with too many challenges if it's reality and people can think for themselves and decide things for themselves and act in a way that maybe you don't expect. So I just kind of feel like he picked the easy way out, which is a bit of a tragedy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's probably the simplest way to put it. Yeah, it takes the easy sort of like option in front of him rather than confronting anything for real you know so it's yeah. a sad ending there's no, no there's no doubt about that um so uh, yeah like, and like i say we kind of like discuss the movie in portions because like all the things that sort of link together but i will say for a movie that's like very intentionally slow in two hours and like 45 minutes i don't think it feels as long as it is bizarrely Oh yeah, I think it feels like a two-hour-plus film. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's one of those weird things where you know when I when I checked the time by the time he's going to the station, I'm like, oh wait, we're already forty-five minutes in, man! Like <laughs> it was like, wow, we went this long without going to the station. Okay, <laughs> but but in a good way though, because I actually think most of that's that's the early stuff flew in. They like, got oh, everything. I I think there's some. I I don't know if we need like the car ride as much as maybe you do. Um, I think sure. a lot of this stuff could have been shortened a little bit. Like we, we get the point, but I understand the, the, like, I, I definitely understand the beginning of trying to be in the natural world as much as possible. Cause he's about to go to something very artificial and he just wants to like have the memory of it, which, you know, yeah. plays in for later. I, I think there's also, a st- we should establish the relationship with his father and, you know, I think getting the backstory is maybe not as necessary, but you know, I'm okay with it being there. 
from the other pilot. Oh, I love the other pilot stuff. I was going to add in that I think uh, maybe there's also like a natural progression. Like if if the movie's playing with time and it's playing with the idea of like the old new frontier and the new new frontier and all that, and then we mm-hmm. talked about the natural world and then the urban world and then spades. Like, there is kind of a natural progression to like nature, you know, green lakes, trees, all that stuff, and then the urban world, which is kind of like the modern version of like where we are technology wise, and then. The future, which is space station, that's like the most advanced. Like there is kind of like a natural progression through it. I, I I do think it's kind of funny that more time is spent on the trip into the city in the car than there is on the like the way to the space station. Yeah, the roads are actually given more time to like, uh, like dwell on. I mean, admittedly, do you lose much by cutting that in half to speed it up a little bit? Probably not, <laughs> admittedly. Uh, but. You know, I, I think that's maybe just like a, a taste Obviously, thing. you know, you need to book in the film with what you have, for sure. But I think 45 minutes is a long time to spend to establish he likes being on Earth and he doesn't like his father very much. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fair. I mean, even that idea, like the idea that the Earth that's created for him at the end is just like what he remembers of Earth. So things about it. And not just that, like the, the, the most recent memory of Earth. Yeah, at yeah. least from what we know. Because there is a couple of shots of the lake where I think on the, 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 the second viewing I had this week where I was noticing the water looked a bit weird, like it was a bit too still. Mm. Um, and I don't know if that's just a happy accident because I just, it certainly looked that day. but Or if it's like this, but like, no, it's actually kind of made of, like, not water. Like, there's like it's like a solid almost like look to it uh, in a weird mm. way. Um, just one of the details they didn't get right. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, there might be like, some easter eggs in there for like things that are just slightly off or, or don't work like i dig the feeling as, as, as he's walking up to the house and he sees his dad like that eeriness it, mm-hmm. it feels quite devastating and part of me thinks well if he gave in is does he is he aware that he gave in and he's just on solaris because the look he because the way he reacts to this feels like he's realizing it and he's, it doesn't feel like a like it doesn't feel like he knew for sure it feels like he's kind of almost subconsciously <laughs> sure said that. although can I can I posit a theory? This might be complete bullshit, right? I might posit a theory. What if this isn't really him? What if he himself is a copy as well? And this is just yeah, Solaris trying I, to make I him. I actually th- thought about that. Uh, I think on the second viewing, of Cat <laughs> is literally destroying my tree right now. I was thinking that maybe it it, it could have been that that the thought crossed my mind. I think the second time I watched it, but I don't really know what the point of it would be like why would solaris do that start an island for itself with his memories um i mean maybe just another experiment to to see how it would react but i don't i'm not really sure like given what we've seen from what solaris does as more of like an experimentation thing i'm not quite sure why what the point of that one would be it's just experimenting with itself at that point yeah but i i also like the idea of he thought he was going home and all of a sudden he realizes he's on an island on Solaris and just cries to his dad about it. <laughs> well, just, just, to, just to explore the idea for a second, I, I think, like, how can you know like, why they're doing it really? Like, like, we don't really know what their motives are. I mean, we've speculated and we've tried to tie, tie it in thematically, but, like, there could be a reason for them to essentially make their own little Petri dish. You know, in the same way that Kelvin has a little tin with a little plant in it, right? To, to remind them of Earth, like... The idea that they're trying to create their own little example from his mind, from what they've seen of him, 
uh on earth like i'm not i'm not i'm not saying that i think this is the case i i definitely still think it is him that's made a bad choice or subconsciously mm-hmm. made this choice to to be weak and go down there instead but i i do think it's interesting and i think it would maybe tie into the idea of like just from our thoughts we've already corrupted this place and now it's trying to recreate things from earth and trying to to adapt it and do things with it i mean there, there's there's ideas i mean it, it could also tie into the idea as well that you know harry over the course of the film became self-aware understood that she was created from like a memory and questioned her own reality and understood that she was changing from harry because now she was forming her personality on her new experiences that were actual experiences on the you know the short time she had in the ship whereas so maybe like this kelvin at the end is, is he, his realization here is not that i'm on solaris his realization is i'm one of them i'm the, I'm, I'm a creation of kelvin as opposed to the real kelvin but again mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just i'm theorizing for the fun of it here rather than like arguing the case for this it's just i don't think you can rule it out i, I think it's a valid potential sure. idea i guess i wonder if it's has it always been the same harry then just coming back because she can be killed so every time like like when he sent her out into space to kill her is it the same one that comes back or does Lars just make another one well i mean only one gets killed and then it's from that point on it's the same one for a while right the one who comes comes after that is the one that sticks around for yeah, quite some time but there is a scene towards the end where he's getting delirious and he wakes up and he sees more than one there's like three harry's at the same time and then his okay. mother his mother's also there as well at the same time uh, i thought i dreamt that scene <laughs> no that scene was there so there is more than one and there was even at one point i think snout even says like if you're sad that because because harry i mean we kind of glossed over this but harry has such an, such an existential crisis that she actually goes to kill herself. She drinks liquid she, she nitrogen. She tries many times, yeah. yeah. Um, but she keeps coming back because she can't die. Um, that's the same one, I believe, you know, just waking back up. Whereas at one point, Snout even says, like, hey, if you really want Harry back, like, there's one floating out there in a, <laughs> a shuttle or a, a rocket oh, that you yeah. sent out. Okay. Like, he so there's at that. least one copy. Yeah. yeah. So so I think, yeah, like he, they can just keep making more of her. Like, it's not like... I don't. I don't think the so one. Why, so is she really gone then? If if they destroy her in the machine. Good question. Well, we don't really know how it works. So we don't know. Like, did because I, I, but did they put them into a machine? Or because I got the impression they just kind of like released like a, a thing into the air and it just like kills them all. Oh, I was getting like Doctor Manhattan vibes of being torn apart atom by atom. Yeah. Uh, Maybe a more interesting question is, though, is the one in the rocket still there because she wasn't anywhere in this, the station by the time mm-hmm. all this stuff happened? I, I, mean, I don't know. But I think th- what we can say for sure, though, is that the main Harry that sticks around and, like, evolves and, like, thinks for herself, I don't th- she definitely does not have the memories of the one who went in the rocket. So I think yeah. I think she's definitely distinct in that sense. It's not like they have the memory of the previous copies that got snuffed or whatever. But yeah, I you know, it's a really thought-provoking film that deals with regret it deals with our conception of other people our conception of ourselves and ultimately i mean if, if you want to boil the movie down like you know all the talk of reflection and mirrors and looking at ourselves like this is a movie about a, a man who ultimately has this really harsh look at himself through seeing his dead wife and through 
having to debate this with the other characters like he he, he comes to all these realizations it's, it's kind of like all this self-reflective thing um that's what the planet does for him uh and maybe that's saying as well that you know like part of the point of exploration and new frontiers is that whoever we do encounter that's different like that can be an asset because it can make us like understand ourselves better because of how we interact with them uh mm-hmm. so that, i think there's some broad like really cool concepts in there that uh the movie is touching on um I mean, yeah, onto that, just some really cool sci-fi ideas, and you, you wrap it up in a, a filmmaker who has very strong, confident style, isn't afraid to be a little abstract or uh, poetic at times, or, you know, just be like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do a David Lynch style scene. Obviously, he wouldn't have said that at the time, because David Lynch was, you know, barely making a short movie in 1972, but... <laughs> You know, but effectively, like some scenes do feel like they could be in a Lynch movie, the way they're shot or the way they're paced. Uh, and as someone who's a fan of David Lynch movies, I'd have a problem with that. But uh, yeah, there's some Kubrick parallels too, for sure. Which is why it's interesting that he's not like super into 2001. Uh, I, I think that's the interesting part is that he, uh, he. I think what was the quote? It was something to like he thought like 2001 was too cold and like something. Uh, so the idea that his interesting choice of words. So uh, well, I think the point is is that he wants to focus more on the emotional side of things. So his film that's set in space is all about like self exploration. Whereas, whereas I, was, I could see that. I think yeah. you know, two thousand one is more about humanity versus the internal struggle. So yeah, uh, Solaris, a very heady film. Um, I feel like people who study philosophy could probably sit and talk about it for ten hours straight, uh, quoting philosophers from like all of human history and i'm sure it's all perfectly valid but i think as two fairly not completely idiot people <laughs> medium people i, th- I think uh it's still it's still an interesting film to watch and think about the ideas it presents and 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 what it's talking about so uh yeah mm. i liked it a lot I guess is what I'm saying. I don't know if I ever just said I liked it at the start, but I like it a lot. If that if that wasn't uh, clear, that said though, I I will actually agree with Mr. Tarkovsky. I think Stalker is an even better film, but that's not to knock on what this achieves or what it's sure. good at by any means. Uh, so yeah, I, I guess we're at the point. Tara, what are you going to rate Solaris out of ten? Uh, yeah, I think it's very good. Uh, it's a real think piece, and I really enjoy the performances, especially from the lead female, and I enjoyed the discussion, so I think I'm going to give it an 8. Okay. Interesting. Uh, I... Yeah, I think it's a straight 9 for me. Uh, I, I think it's one that I, I, I gave maybe close to that anyway the first time I saw it, like a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um... But watching it again, thinking about it, because I know I'm going to talk about it, so really... And, and with a film like this, you know, like, I don't always look up, like, what anyone else has said after I've watched it before we talk about it. But every so often there's a movie like this where I'm like, you know what, this is... I want to make... It's heavy sh- stuff. Yeah, I, I want to, like, you know, get a little bit of a pointer on, like, how you think in some ways. Like, you know, give me some themes that I can think about, and then I can think about how the scenes actually achieve those themes or achieve, like, those ideas and... um. So, 
it's especially watching it that second time this week after watching it the first time but also reading a few things here or there about like, how other people have interpreted it like really like makes you think about those themes as you're watching it so you get a lot more out of all these little moments and scenes and you're like oh yeah, i can see you know uh so yeah nine out of ten for me but uh really good stuff and that's obviously a very high score when i said stalker was even better like stalker is one of the, the stalker is the last movie i saw that i gave a 10 to so you know just put that in perspective it, it would have been pretty immense if it did happen to match that i gave like four tens out last week well i mean 10 for a first time watch i'm not counting rewatches <laughs> unless you unless you mean that too in which case you're you're a mad woman who is giving out tens like candy stop it <laughs> eyes wide shut first time i've seen that okay okay i, I like it a lot I, I don't know if i'd go go to the 10 on it but it's kubrick gotta put a ring on it <laughs> <laughs> okay okay so uh that's uh that's solaris so hopefully the the extra weight was at least partially worth it on this one um so yeah looking over the next little bit uh so this is going out uh over the next couple of days from recording and then the next episode will probably be about a week and a bit later uh when matrix 4 is ready to talk about so and then we'll get back to the civilies movies after that and go from there uh so so have no fear uh all of that is coming but uh uh tara's going to post for the thumbnail so here we go i have no idea what she's going to do for this but uh look, look russian three two one pause <laughs> not bad not bad <laughs> not bad um so there you go uh oh and mother russia <laughs> planet explores you hey hey not bad that kind of worked that was a good joke all right uh so yeah, yeah um yakov smirnov still alive <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah let us know what you think of the movie in the comments uh, like and subscribe ding the bell for notifications all that stuff all of it is uh super important uh and helps us out a lot but you can also support us financially over on patreon can Tara? That's right, Peter. If you enjoy our reviews, please check out our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash TV. And if you donate as little as $1 per month, you will get access to bonus episodes of The Ace. So you can find your favorite B-movie titles and even some sequels. We do some sequels from shows that we've watched on this channel for patrons only. We're going through the Tremors series right now. So if that interests you, check it out. Uh, patrons and also youtube members worth mentioning now uh, that's a more recent thing but uh uh those those patreon bonus episodes do go up for youtube members which is like a like a paid subscription thing on youtube directly uh they're way behind they're like a like a year and a half behind and what episodes they're getting but those bonus episodes are making their way for youtube members uh one per month gradually so uh cool yeah, you can access that a different way in case you want in case you just rather spread through paid uh, through youtube for a couple of bucks instead of uh over on on patreon but patreon has higher tiers with more things on offer like voting and uh early access and all sorts of shenanigans but yeah uh so there you go uh that's right peter <laughs> do you want to see a catchphrase again 
<laughs> also, I, I do kind of love that your catchphrase is that's rape here. That's not my catchphrase. How <laughs> <laughs> dare you. <laughs> All right, that has been Solaris. Uh, let us know what you think of the movie. Uh, but yeah, uh, so we'll see. So the schedule's a little bit weird uh, over this Christmas period, but uh, uh, we'll be back with Matrix Resurrections, is what it's called, yeah? <laughs> in like a week and a bit, whatever. You know, once, once it comes out a couple of days later, you'll have a review, most likely. <laughs> and then uh, we'll be back to the 70s movies uh, after that. So look forward to all of that stuff. Uh, we will see you soon. Have a nice Christmas, since this is the last episode going out before Christmas. So uh, have a nice festive time, and uh, we will see you on the other side. So thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching science fiction and computer at Salsa. <laughs>